0: As we continue in worship this morning, you haven't already grabbed the Bible, grabbed the tablets, supposed to be online, whatever you may do, uh, maybe clean up a different browser. <coughs> uh, as we look at Romans 12, uh, and really I'm probably not going to make it through all eight verses or five verses uh, with it. I think some of those are pretty uh, self explanatory in some ways, but as we continue in, in worship and we hear his word uh, this morning. And we expected my prayer uh, all morning and uh, was that whatever I would say would not be me. I, 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 I had to chuckle with Ella Rose over here. She had her shoe off and was chewing on it. A good reminder for me at least that sometimes I open my mouth and I I'm going to just take my size nine and a half shield shoe and put it in there, you know. But the goal, each time we come to this part of our worship, is it that you hear me? In fact, if we are honest this morning, you know, uh, I'm no uh, David Jeremiah. Anybody listen to David Jeremiah? Some of you do. Yeah, I'm no David Jeremiah. Uh, and anybody, this is for the older, I don't want to say older, because some of the people do it. Uh, Chuck Swindoll. Anybody over the years? Okay, you know I'm no Chuck <coughs> Swindoll. How about Charles Stanley? I know some of you who are younger have grown up with him. Some of you don't really know Charles Stanley. I'm I, I definitely no Charles Stanley. Maybe some of you know his younger or his his son Andy Stanley. Anybody? Okay, some of you. I'm no Andy. In fact, I can go through a list of people that are probably some of the great creatures of the day. I mean, Billy Graham. Almost everyone has heard of Billy Graham. right? I am definitely no Billy Graham. Great creatures of the days. Anybody ever heard of John Knox? Some of you, John Knox? I was there to say, Ron, your hand better go off. I know, over here. Some of you don't. One of the great reformers, John Calvin. Anybody know John Calvin? Alright? Martin Luther. Alright, yeah. Uh, his last name was Swingilli. And I forget his first name. Albrecht, oh, Billy. Anybody? No. Some. Some have. Those of you who are younger, these are names we probably ought to interact with at times. Charles Spurgeon. Alright. I'm none of those. And if you hope I am like one of those, I will tell you right now, if you're online or here, you might as well either walk out the door or turn me off, because I am a poor example of any of those. The only way I can find in common with any of those is that each time in my understanding of each of those individuals, they came to the Word of God. They wanted to make sure that what was said, whether it was their pulpit, their writings, or whatever, that what was said wasn't their words. But it was the words of life, as Paul calls it, the words of Scripture that are breathing and active and able to do anything that none of these great preachers nor any of the poor preachers like myself could ever do separate separated this is what we do when we come to this. In fact, I'm only here and I echo the words of the great apostle Paul. For by the grace given to me I say to you, every week I stand up here, it's by the grace of God that I'm here. Sometimes I come up here kicking and screaming. I don't know if Pastor Paul has ever preached when he's kind of going no or no. No. You know, uh, there are many times thinking is three, but the grace of God compels, propels me to be up here to hopefully shed some light on this great word that is His word. That you may grow in all knowledge and love of God our Father as Paul prayed. next, okay, with that. Why? Because I have found out that there are times if I wear the same suit pant, and, and shirt the next Sunday, someone will notice about what I wore. I don't remember. What gets tricky is when I have funerals, and I've got to remember what order the black suit was in. It. You know? And if I have multiple funerals in two weeks, I've got to remember to wear a different suit color. You say, "Well, that's crazy." It is, but people will notice what I wear, you know. And I want our I don't want people to get caught up on what this looks like. That you miss the grace of God that is found in His Word. And maybe I shouldn't care as much. There is a lot of truth. <clears throat> but our world is languishing. We're afraid of doing. Saying the wrong thing, and in so doing, we are shriveling up like a grape that has been left out too long. And I've eaten some of those grapes; and they're sour. I'd rather spin them back out. And not only is that our world, but friends, beloved, brothers, and sisters in the Lord. I hear, and I sense, and I see, and I hear that happening within the church. maybe you were- 57, moderately or extremely stressed. 45% moderately or extremely lonely. Friends, this is not good. And we can sit here and try to ext- extend what we think or theorize, and I do that many times in my office. But friends, when we do that, we are missing something the fact that the church needs to be a safe place for the anxious, for the depressed, for the lonely, the stressed, where they can go and be seen and heard and they can hear the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we're missing the opportunity. And some of you here are anxious and you're depressed and you're burdened. to be a place of grace and love and where people can start to belong before they even know what we believe. Amen? Amen? How many times I hear from people the worst place, the last place they want to go is to the church when they're hurting. Friends, we gotta stop this. We gotta stop this. The church needs to break down the stigma and the taboo of if you have a mental health issue, all you gotta do is pray about it. Yeah, yeah, i pray about it, but there's more to that. We as the church need to break down the stigma that if you're caught in addiction, the, the, you just need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and just, just, just pray some more about it. Heaven forbid that be our response. Our response is, you need to submit to Jesus, but I'm going to walk with you on this road of addiction. You're going to fall down, and I'm going to pick you back up, and I'm going to say, let's keep moving forward. Amen? fired. I'm sorry. I'm fired up this morning. Because I think if we start to realize what Paul is talking about here in Romans 12, 3, 4, and 5, we will see a transformation happen in our churches and in our world. People want to be around others where there's life. People want to be around others where they go, I, I may not believe you, but I know you love me. And because you love me, I'm willing. to Think that the people want to be, they have to believe all the right things before they can belong. The and I'm not talking church membership. No. Church membership is a step where there's a sense of you believe, you agree that what we believe and what you believe are compatible enough that we can do this life together. But the church doesn't exist for those who have believed all the right things and then they come to church. The church exists so people can experience community because Jesus is calling them by his grace to say, I can give you life. Amen? I'm going to make you call, talk back this morning, just so you know. We're going to get there. And it starts with this idea that we need to have grace-based thinking of ourselves and of others. Paul says, For by grace given to me, he starts there as he get ready to admonish and encourage them. By grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think any more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with realistic or reasonable judgments. This is where grace will always come in. Grace-based thinking And grace-based thinking will get me to get off my high horse if I get on one. Now the the reality is Paul is talking here to some extent about those in the early church, probably Jews, who saw themselves as greater than any of the Gentiles who were coming in. Because they had the Torah. They had the Old Testament. They had the knowledge. And they came to Jesus. I mean, I think part of that is what's going on because if you read in 13 and 14, there's still this conflict of Jews and Gentiles. And he's saying, you can't think any more highly, but I also want to say it this way. I think this is compatible with what he's saying. There's some of you who are thinking way too less of yourself. when one person thinks that they have it all. When one person is the gatekeeper to everything. When there is this standard of you must check these boxes in order to belong. I'm in some of those groups. I've persevered in some of those groups. And I know that if I'm not careful, I will create a group where that will be the same way. Where there is legalism, there is no community.
1: When there is nothing but
0: a standard of judgment and a standard of criticism and shame, there is no community. This is what the early church and every church since has to had to deal with. What role will grace have? The window, no. There is only grace made possible because of the cross and because of who Jesus is. But grace makes it possible. So I want to maybe challenge with this one question. If you find yourself unable to be in community with others, maybe you need to ask, how much grace do you have? I have some. I'm important- That will demand because the 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 body of Christ isn't about you and me. It is about Jesus. The body is Jesus Christ. Amen? See so you get that? So it's not my body. It's not your body. It is the Lord's body. That's why there's no room for pride here. Throughout all of Scripture, there is only one who is called the head, and that's not you or me. So let me ask this question: If I give one of my kidneys to dinner, because you're in front of me, all right? He needs a kidney. I give him a kidney. Okay, whose kidney now is it? It's his kidney, right? But it's mine, I would say. Do I then get to go around Dan and say, Dan, my kidney doesn't like what you're putting in your body. That would be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? But it's my kidney. But it's not my, if I give it to him, if I transplant it into him, it's now his kidney. Okay. We have been transplanted. Paul uses the imagery of the body. We have been transplanted into a body that is the body of Christ. Which means it's not my body, my choice, what I do anymore. And I've heard that around all kinds of spectrum here. Okay, it ain't, It's always about what does Jesus want. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you were bought with a price." 1 Corinthians 6.20 Honor God with your body. He was talking in sin, but I think he goes through even greater than that. If we realize the fact that Jesus said, I put you into my body. I don't know if I'm a kidney, an appendix, a liver, if I'm nose hair. Hey, nose hair is really important. The more it stops stuff, the better off we all are. I don't know if I'm part of that gut bacteria that just kind of dusts things in the gut. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the stomach acid that just breaks everything down and then causes issues as I come too far off. I don't know. Neither do you. But I know Jesus is the head. Which means it's not about my will. It isn't about me. My personal choice must be submitted to the person of Christ in every and all things. What does this look like to? you? Gravestone. What else? There's a number 23. Can't see the other side. This is a parking lot. You may not be able to read, but it says here, the above stone marks the approximate site of the burial in St. Gilly's graveyard of John Knox, the great Scottish divine. He would probably have repeated that word, actually. What little I know of him. Scottish reformer who died November 24, 1572. I don't know who has parking spot 23, but I wonder if they ever thought over top of somebody's body. Now that may horrify some of you. That may completely horrify you. But what little I know about John Knox, he might actually not have been too bad about this because he was all about making a foundation for the people of God to understand who God is. Now I don't think when he died in 1572 that he was thinking in his head, maybe I'm going to be a parking lot one day. But friends, maybe, in the will of God, that we don't understand, we need to be a parking lot someday. I've been in a lot of cemeteries, and I can tell you, if every cemetery was Or unlucky 14. I don't care. But it's not about you. Well, this is what Paul is trying to tell them again and again and again. You are in Christ, verse 5. You have gifts given by the grace given to you, you have faith given by the faith given to you. So Christ gives grace to create community. If you are in Jesus, you have a gracious gift of God to use for his community, the church. Are you using it? I don't know, necessarily. He gives a list, and it's a descriptive list. It isn't prescriptive. Because if you look at these different lists here, Ephesians, and, and you look at 1 Corinthians 12, it, it, there's a different list going on there. But you have a gift. You have something to offer, to give. You are worth it within the body of Jesus. See, and sometimes what happens, I started by naming what I consider some of the greats. If I went home every day, or every Sunday at least, you know, every Sunday, I go well, up, uh, did I preach as well as David Jeremiah? I'm gonna be pretty, goodness gracious, just be the whole. If I'm gonna compare myself with some of the greats and but what he says time and time again there, the faith, the great, the gift that was given to you. There's a parable called Parable of the Talents. Where, where the, the master gives talents, gifts, money. He gets one ten, another one five, another one two. And, and what's great about that story and what Paul, I think, is picking up here is that servants weren't worried about whether they had five, ten, or two.
1: They were worried about
0: just being a good, good steward, a good servant of their master. So they put it to work. If you and I start comparing ourselves and our giftedness with one another, we will miss out. But if your gift is teaching, then teach. If it's encouraged, give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is lead, do it diligently. If it is show mercy, do it cheerfully. But I say, I don't see it here. And if your gift is criticism, do it loudly. (laughs) If your gift is letting everybody else know what is wrong with them, do it well. Exactly. Now, I think that was God, was All right, I'm starting to get all these baby voices. I know the difference. All right, it doesn't say if you get this human hatred, do it with a wide open mouth. But it says you have been given grace, given to each of us. In Christ, we form one. Each member belongs to one another. See, this is why I rarely ever make a decision around here in isolation. There's probably only been one decision in the past three, four years I made in isolation. And that was uh, March of 2020, when we did live stream. I didn't even say close the doors in isolation. Jeff and I were talking, and Larry and I were talking. Okay. I, I, the life stream we have now, we, I just decided we would do it. That was about the only decision I ever made. I didn't ask permission. I will also say the church never paid for it. Because I didn't ask permission. I found a way to fit for what we do technology wise? Then your God was going to think this is exactly what we had to do. I wasn't waiting for a to meet to decide Okay? Even as we look at going into a digital, uh, different way digitally. I'm not making it alone. Jeff and I are in constant communication. I'm talking with my son Daniel, who understands some of this stuff. I'm asking you all some questions. We don't make decisions in isolation. We make it together. Because only we are better together than we are apart. So as I try to wrap up, what does this mean? What is God's will. It's not mysterious. God's will is that you would live out and enjoy His grace. Do you live out the grace of Jesus by saying yes to Him and no to sin? Do you live out the grace of Jesus as you if you see somebody on your street or in your neighborhood or in your house through the eyes of grace? Do you you live out His grace by not holding on to it but realizing when you give it out, greater things happen? Or do you afford His grace? And in so doing, you will languish, you will shrivel, you will cease to thrive and you will just exist. But then do you enjoy it? Do you have a measure of joy because of the grace of Jesus? of the cross that is available to all. We may disagree on some things, but we can get back to the fact that Jesus Christ is the head. Above all, remember that Jesus loves you. And so, will you. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. See, it's not just Jesus loves me. This I know. I need that in times, but I. Well, world needs to know that Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells us so. Are you going to live out the grace? Are you going to enjoy his grace? For well, when you will. Those things that our next generation struggle with start to become less of an influence. Loneliness? When you realize Jesus loves you and puts you into the you realize that I'm not alone. Anxiety, depression, it will help. Now, does it make it magically go away? Oh, no way. I wish. Ah, I see Teresa back there. I mean, if every believer in Jesus, every Christian marriage never had any issues, Teresa, you and David would not have to do anything, would you? It doesn't magically make it go away, but when you understand how great the concept of grace is, it can transform a marriage. He can transform a relationship. And when we start to enjoy that grace, we go on. So I stand in the light of the John Knoxes, of the John Calvinists, of the Luthers, and others to say grace. And grace alone is powerful enough, alone, to transform. So, friends, I say this by the grace given to me. Think of yourself through the eyes of the grace and the eyes of Jesus this day, and you will know the joy of the Lord that will be your strength in the darkness that comes. We pray Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that there have been some sins made of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live out that grace. Lord, that we would uh, be where you are, that we would allow your grace to encompass us and surround us and envelop us and, and sustain us and, and all those things so we will give it away knowing you will never run dry of grace. Because you live forever. And so, Lord, please help us this day to remember that. Lord, for those who are struggling with who they are, their identity, may they find their identity through the grace of Jesus. May they come to know you as Lord and Savior. That they would experience the joy. Lord, may this church continue to be a church where people can show up that are messed up. We are all broken people. Tell them one another word to hope am broken. May we continue to be that this day. May we continue in words and in deeds to proclaim <clears throat> the truth of the scripture. Jesus loves you this side of heaven, For his life shows himself. For you gave him seek and save the broken, the hurt, you came to give life, so that any and all who would believe in you would come to have life and have it to the force. Lord, we thank you for it, and we praise in your name, the head of all of the church, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. May we live that out this day, and may you continue to worship us this morning as we worship together through the sun.